One Christmas day, the king of Norway sat in the great hall of his palace, holding a feast. Here's a health to our brother, the king of Denmark. Yeah. Hey! <laughs> What present shall we send our royal brother? As a pledge of our goodwill this Christmas time, send him, please, Your Majesty," said the Norseman Gunter, who was the king's chief huntsman. "One of our fine white bears, that his liegemen may show their little ones what sort of kittens we play with." <laughs> well said, Gunter. But how shall we find a bear? That will travel so long a journey willingly, and will know how to behave himself to our worthy brother when he reaches him. <clears throat> Please, your Majesty, I have a glorious fellow as white as snow that I caught when he was a cub. He will follow me wherever I go, play with my children, stand on his hind legs, and behave himself as well as any gentleman ought to do. He is at your service, and I myself will take him wherever you choose. So the king was well pleased and ordered Gunther to set off at once with Master Bruin. Start with the morning storm and make the best of your way. The Norseman went home to his house in the forest, and early next morning he waked Master Bruin, put the king's collar around his neck. And away they went over rocks and valleys, lakes and seas, the nearest road to the court of the king of Denmark. When they arrived there, the king was on a journey, and Gunther and his fellow traveller set out to follow. It was bright weather; the sun shone, and the birds sang as they journeyed merrily on, day after day, over hill and over dale, till they came within a day's journey of where the king was. All that afternoon. They travelled through a gloomy, dark forest, but towards evening the wind began to whistle through the trees, and the clouds began to gather and threaten a stormy night. The road too was very rough, and it was not easy to tell which was more tired, Bruin or his master. What made the matter worse was that they had found no inn that day by the roadside, and their provisions had fallen short, so that they had no very pleasant prospects before them for the night. Pretty affair this. I'm likely to be charmingly off here in the woods with an empty stomach, a damp bed, and a bear for my bedfellow. While the Norseman was turning this over in his mind, the wind blew harder and harder, and the clouds grew darker and darker. The bear shook his ears, and his master looked at his wit's end. When, to his great joy, a woodman came whistling along out of the woods. By the side of his horse, dragging a load of faggots. As soon as he came up, Gunther stopped him,、oh. and begged hard for a night's lodging for himself and his countrymen. The woodman seemed hearty and good-natured enough, and was quite ready to find shelter for the huntsman. But as to the bear, he had never seen such a beast before in his life, and would have nothing to do with him on any terms. The huntsman begged hard for his friend, and told how he was bringing him as a present to the king of Denmark, and how he was the most good-natured, best-behaved animal in the world, 
though he must allow that he was by no means one of the handsomest. The woodman, however, was not to be moved. His wife, he was sure, would not like such a guest, and who could say what he might take it into his head to do? Besides, he should lose his dog and his cat, his ducks and his geese, for they would all run away for fright, whether the bear was disposed to be friends with them or not. Good night, Master Huntsman. If you and old Shaggy back there cannot part, I'm afraid you must stay where you are, though you will have a sad night of it, no doubt. Then he cracked his whip, whistled up his horse, and set off once more on his way homeward. The huntsmen grumbled and Bruin grunted as they followed slowly after. When, to their great joy, they saw the woodman, before he had gone many yards, pull up his horse once more and turn around. Stay! Stay! I think I can tell you of a better plan than sleeping in a ditch. I know where you may find shelter if you will run the risk of a little trouble from an unlucky imp that has taken up its abode in my old house down the hill yonder. You must know, friend, that till last winter I lived in the snug little house that you will see at the foot of the hill if you come this way. Everything went smoothly on with us, till one unlucky night, when the storm blew, as it seems likely to do tonight, some spiteful guest took it into his head to pay us a visit, and there have ever since been such noises, clattering and scampering upstairs and down, from midnight till the cock crows in the morning, that at last we were fairly driven out of house and home. What he is like, no one knows, for we never saw him or anything belonging to him, except a little crooked high-heeled shoe that he left one night in the pantry. But though we have not seen him, we know he has a hand or a paw as heavy as lead, for when it pleases him to lay it upon anyone down, he goes as if the blacksmith hammer had hit him. There's no end of his monkey tricks. If the linen is hung out to dry, he cuts the line. If he wants a cup of ale, he leaves the tap running. If the fowls are shut up, he lets them loose. He puts the pig into the garden, rides upon the cows, and turns the horses into the hay-yard. And several times he nearly burnt the house down by leaving a candle alight among the faggots. And then he is sometimes so nimble and active that when he is once in motion, nothing stands still around him. Dishes and plates, pots and pans, stands about, clattering, making the most horrible music, and breaking each other to pieces. And sometimes... When the whim takes him, the chairs and tables seem as if they were alive, and dancing a hornpipe or playing battledore and shuttlecock together. Even the stones and beams of the house seem rattling against one another, and it is of no use putting things in order, for the first freak the imp took would turn everything upside down again. My wife and I bore such a lodger as long as we could, but at length we were fairly beaten, and as he seemed to have taken up his abode in the house, we thought it best to give up to him what he wanted. 
and the little rascal knew what we were about when we were moving and seemed afraid we should not go soon enough. So he helped us off. For on the morning we were to start, as we were going to put our goods upon the wagon, there it stood before the door ready loaded, and when we started we heard a loud laugh and a little sharp voice cried out of the window, So now he has our old house all to himself to play his gambles in, whenever he likes to sleep within doors. And we have built ourselves a snug cottage on the other side of the hill, where we live as well as we can, though we have no great room to make merry in. Now, if you and your ugly friend there like to run the hazard of taking up your quarters in the elf house, Pray do. Yonder is the road. He may not be at home tonight. Oh, oh well, we will try our luck. Anything is better to my mind than sleeping out of doors on such a night as this. Your troublesome neighbour will perhaps think so too, and we may have to fight for our lodging. But never mind. Bruin is rather an awkward hand to quarrel with, and the goblin may perhaps find a worse welcome from him than your house-dog could give him. <laughs> he will, at any rate, let him know what a bear's hug is. For I dare say, he has not been far enough north to know much about it yet. Then the woodman gave Gunther a faggot to make his fire with, and wished him a good night. He and the bear soon found their way to the deserted house, and no one being at home, they walked into the kitchen and made a capital fire. Oh, lack a day! I forgot one thing I ought to have asked that good man for some supper. I've nothing left but some dry bread. Ah, oh, however, this is better than sleeping in the woods. We must make the most of what we have, keep ourselves warm and get to bed as soon as we can. So, after eating up all their crusts and drinking some water from the well close by, the huntsman wrapped himself up close in his cloak and lay down in the snuggest corner he could find. Bruin rolled himself up in the corner of the white fireplace and both were fast asleep, the fire out and everything quiet within doors long before midnight. As the clock struck twelve, the storm began to get louder. The wind blew. A slight noise within the room waking the huntsman, and all of a sudden, in popped a little ugly scrattle, <laughs> scarce three spans high, with a hump on his back, a face like a dried pippin, a nose like a ripe mulberry, and an eye that had lost its neighbour. He had high-heeled shoes and a pointed red cap and came dragging after him a nice fat kid, ready-skinned and fit for roasting. Rough night, this. 
But thanks to that Bibby Woodman, I got a house to myself. And now for a hot supper and a glass of good ale till the cock crows. <laughs> no sooner said than done. The Scrattle busied himself about here and there. Presently the fire blazed up. The kid was put on the spit and turned merrily round. A keg of ale made its appearance from a closet. The cloth was laid and the kid was soon dished up for eating. Then the little imp, in the joy of his heart, rubbed his hands, tossed up his red cap, danced before the hearth and sang his song. Tis weary enough abroad to ride in the shivery midnight blast, and tis dreary enough alone to bide, hungry and cold in the wintry wold where the drifting snow falls fast. But tis cheery enough to revel by night in the crackling faggot's light. Tis merry enough to have and to hold the savoury roast and nut brown toast with jolly good ale and old. <laughs> The huntsman lay snug all this time, sometimes quaking in dread of getting into trouble, and sometimes licking his lips at the savoury supper before him, and half in the mind to fight for it with the imp. However, he kept himself quiet in his corner, till all of a sudden the little man's eye wandered from his cheering ale cup to Bruin's carcass as he lay rolled up like a ball, fast asleep in the chimney corner. The imp turned round sharp in an instant and crept softly nearer and nearer to where Bruin lay, looking at him very closely and not able to make out what in the world he was. Hmm. One of the family, I suppose. But just then... Bruin gave his ears a shake and showed a little of his shaggy muzzle. <laughs> That's all, is it? Oh, but what a large one. Where could he come from and how came he here? What shall I do? Shall I let him alone or drive him out? Perhaps he might give me some mischief. And I'm not afraid of mice or rats. So here goes. I've driven all the rest of the livestock out of the house. <laughs> and why should I be afraid of sending this brute after them? <laughs> With that, the elf walked softly to the corner of the room and, taking up the spit, stole back on tiptoe till he got quite close to the bear. Then, raising up his weapon, down came a rattling thump across Bruin's muzzle that sounded as hollow as a drum. The bear raised himself slowly up, snorted, shook his head, then scratched it, opened first one eye, then the other, took a turn across the room and grinned at his enemy, who, somewhat alarmed, ran back a few paces and stood with his spit in his hand, foreseeing a rough attack. And it soon came, for the bear, rearing himself up, walked leisurely forward and, putting out one of his paws, called hold of the spit, jerked it out of the goblin's hand and sent it spinning to the other end of the kitchen. And now began a fierce battle. This way and that way flew tables and chairs, pots and pans. The elf was one moment in the bear's back, lugging his ears and pummeling him with blows that might have felled an ox. In the next... 
The bear would throw him up in the air and treat him as he had came down with a hug that would make the little imp squall. Then up he would jump upon one of the beams out of Bruin's reach and soon, watching his chance, would be down astride upon his back. <gasps> Meantime, Gunther had become sadly frightened and seeing the oven door open, crept in for shelter from the fray and lay there, quaking for fear. The struggle went on thus a long time, without it seeming at all clear who would get the better. Biting, scratching, hugging, clawing, roaring and growling till the whole house rang. The elf, however, seemed to grow weaker and weaker. The rival stood for a moment as if to get breath. And the bear was getting ready for a fierce attack when, all in a moment, the scrattle dashed his red cap on his eye and while Bruin was smarting from the blow and trying to recover his sight, darted to the door and was out of sight in a moment, though the wind blew, the rain pattered and the storm raged in a merciless manner. Well done! Bravo, Bruin! cried the huntsman as he crawled out of the oven and ran and bolted the door. Thou hast combed his locks rarely, and as for thine own ears, oh, they are rather the worse for pulling. But come, let us make the best of the good cheer our friend has left us. So saying, they fell to and ate a hearty supper. The huntsman, wishing the scrattle a good night and pleasant dreams and a cup of his sparkling ale, laid himself down and slept till morning. And Bruin tried to do the same, as well as his aching bones would let him. In the morning, the huntsman made ready to set out on his way, and had not got far from the door before he met the woodman, who was eager to hear how he had passed the night. Then Gunther told him how he had been awakened, what sort of creature the elf was, and how he and Bruin had fought it out. <laughs> Let us hope you will now be well rid of the gentleman. I suspect he will not come where he is likely to get any more of Bruin's hugs. And thus you will be well paid for your entertainment of us, which, to tell the truth, was none of the best, for if your ugly little tenant had not brought his supper with them, we should have had but empty stomachs this morning. The huntsman and his fellow traveller journeyed on, and let us hope they reached the king of Denmark safe and sound. But, to tell the truth, I know nothing more of that part of the story. The woodman, meantime, went to his work and did not fail to watch at night to see whether the scrattle came or whether he was thoroughly frightened out of his old haunt by the bear or whatever he might take the beast to be that handled him as he never was handled before. But three nights passed over and no traces being seen or heard of him, the woodman began to think of moving back to his old house. On the fourth day, he was out at his work in the forest, and as he was taking shelter under a tree from a cold storm of sleet and rain that passed over, he heard a little cracked voice singing, or rather croaking in a mournful tone. So he crept along quietly and peeped over some bushes, and there sat the very same figure that the huntsman had described to him. The 
Goblin was sitting without any hat or cap on his head, with a woe-begone face, and with his jacket turned into shreds, and his legs scratched and smeared with blood, as if he had been creeping through a bramble bush. The woodman listened quietly to his song, and it ran as before. Sing us the other verse, man! cried the woodman, for he could not help cracking a joke on his old enemy. Who he saw was sadly in the dumps at the loss of his good cheer and the shelter against the bad weather. But the instant his voice was heard, the little imp jumped up, stamped with rage, and was out of sight in the twinkling of an eye. <gasps> the woodman finished his work and was going home in the evening, whistling by his horse's side. When all of a sudden he saw, standing on a high bank by the wayside. The very same little imp, looking as grim and sulky as before. Hark ye, bumpkin! Canst thou hear, fellow? Is thy great cat alive and at home still? Ah, uh, um, my cat? Thy great white cat, man! Ah. Uh, 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 my cat oh, oh 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 yes to be sure um alive and well i thank you very happy i'm sure to see you and all friends whenever you will do us the favor to call and hark ye friend as you seem to be so fond of my great cat you may like to know that she had five Kittens last night. <gasps> five kittens? Yes, five of the most beautiful white kits you ever saw. So like the old cat, it would do your heart good to see the whole family. Such soft, gentle paws, such delicate whiskers, such pretty little mouths. <gasps> five kittens! <laughs> Yes, to be sure, five kittens. Do look in tonight, about twelve o'clock, the time you know that you used to come and see us. The old cat will be so glad to show them to you, and we shall be happy to see you once more. But where can you have been all this time? I come. <laughs> Not I, indeed. What do I want with your little wretches? Did I not see them all at once? Keep your kittens to yourself. I must be off. This is no place for me. Five kittens? So there were six of them now. Oh, goodbye to you. You'll see me no more. So bad luck to you and your ugly cat and your beggarly house. Oh! <laughs> and bad luck to you, Mr. Crookback cried the woodman as he threw him the red cap he had left behind in his battle with Bruin. Keep clear of my cat 
and let us hear no more of your pranks and be hanged to you. So now that he knew his troublesome guest had taken his leave, the woodman soon moved back all his goods and his wife and children into their snug old house. And there they lived happily, for the elf never came to see them any more, and the woodman every night after dinner drank Long life to the king of Norway for sending the cat that cleared his house of vermin. <laughs>